Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Mun. Good morning, Lyle. Good morning, Mun. How are you? Oh, dude, I'm so good. I'm so good. Ask me what I'm grateful for, quick. What are you grateful for? Swimming pools. <laughs> I take it you went for a swim this morning. Specifically indoor heated swimming pools. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I have a swimming pool. I yeah, haven't nah. seen you in my swimming pool You don't lately. have a swimming pool. You have a melted iceberg in your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went for a swim last night, actually. I have to say, because I love swimming, Lyle, but I seem to not do it nearly as much as you'd think someone who loves swimming would swim. And so I discovered in the town where I have now lived for a few months, there's an indoor heated swimming pool. And I had no idea. There you go. You know how I found out? You should have asked. You know when my, you know, my, my, my battery went flat the other night and my, my friends at the restaurant came and, uh, and jump-started me. And then we had to drive around town, go for a bit of a hoon in order to like recharge my battery. Uh-huh. And so we went for a tour and like my mate was just surprised that I'd never sort of done a tour of the town that I was living in. <laughs> and so she was like, this is the pool. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and uh, I could have told you this, Mon. Really? You knew? Yeah. You were holding out on me? Anyway, yeah. I bought a 10-pass ticket. So I'm going to make Wednesday nights my swimming pool nights. And I've convinced my housemates to come. And we had a banger of a time last night. So, so yeah. you didn't just go there. You actually went there and had fun rather than doing laps? No, we did both. Okay. We did laps. And then when we got too cold, we like because it's heated, but it you know, cools off after a while. And then yeah. we transitioned and jumped into the small kiddie pool, which was like jumping into a furnace. And, that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had See, some I fun find, with the jets. What I find is that the um, heated pools are heated to the point that um, you still freeze unless you're doing laps. Yeah, that's right. That's my right. teeth chatter. Yeah. Oh, well, my teeth don't chatter, but then I'm, I've got a bit more extra padding than you do. But anyway, what are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? Ooh, a fast metabolism. A fast metabolism. <laughs> Don't have to worry about what I eat. It's I, never going to put weight on. I, I do wonder if all the people <laughs> who say they have fast metabolism ever got tested and actually had fast metabolism. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, it actually, uh, according to some tests that my dad did, because we were all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, all South Wales are built the same, like matchsticks with the wood scraped off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're all built the same. But yeah, he actually um, in his later life discovered it wasn't the fast metabolism. He had worms. No, his body just doesn't uh, absorb nutrients very well. Okay, so that's an issue. Yeah, it's, it's, actually, yeah. it's an actual issue, and they yeah. do something about it. So I probably should get it checked. Yeah, you should, Lyle. Sort of crow. Ah, uh, mind you're out of time for the weather. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? Are we really? I'll tell you. I'll tell you in the next segment if you like. Do you want to hear about the weather later? Yeah, we'll do it later. Okay. Why not? Great show coming up for you today. Stay tuned. Weather coming up shortly. I am not who I once was Defined by all the things I've done Afraid my shame would be exposed Afraid of really being known then you gave my heart a home So I walked out of the darkness and into the light From fear of shame into the hope of life Mercy come my name and made a way to fly Out of the darkness and then to the
rather be Your light is marvelous Your light is marvelous You have come to set us free You are marvelous Your light is marvelous This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. Mm, there you go. Okay, so that's the weather. Give us now the clue for the quiz. Okay, let's do the quiz for this morning. Breakfast Bible quiz. Every morning we do this. It is time for you to charge up your brain cells, get them working, get them in marching orders. Okay, who am I? I was put to death because I asked to have Abishag as my wife. I was put to death because I asked to have Abishag as my wife. Give me a call if you know the answer. Lyle doesn't know the answer. So you'll be no, I do know the answer. I do know the answer. I'm then just trying to. How come you haven't written it down? Then I'm Mr. trying to spit Smitty the Pants. word out. I know yeah, right. exactly who it That's is, but I can't remember the name. That's basically way of saying that Lyle doesn't know the answer. So give me a call. One eight hundred Faith FM. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. Text zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We'll send you a prize if you get it right. Totally free of charge. Lyle does have it correct now. Um, so yeah, you still get a prize. Though. You still get a prize. Did I spell it right? Let me have a look again. Check my spelling here. Yeah, very good. You did. Oh, I did too. Oh, cool. I even spelled it right. There you go. Extra pat on the back for you, Lyle. Uh huh. <laughs> Indeed. Like, I got a really cool story. This one surprised me a little bit, actually. And I've actually always wondered this. Um, so you know when like crime happens and you have a crime scene, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I've often they put up want- tape and yeah, yeah, paint an outline mm-hmm. on the ground and yeah, right. And then the and then the. I guess like the family of, you know, whoever was involved in the crime are deeply affected by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've often wondered about the the ripple effect. Like what about the neighbours or the people down the street? Like, you know, it ends up being something that's remembered for years. Mm-hmm. And um, The scene and of a tragedy as well, you know. Yeah. I mean, I remember, um, you know, as a, as a young kid catching the school bus home, I think I was probably in year seven, and coming across the scene of a motorbike accident where, you know, the motorbike rider run at the back of a truck and just lost his life and mm-hmm. there was a bit, it was a mess on the road. Yeah. And it sticks in your head. And exactly. the stain on the uh-huh. road stayed for a long time. You had to drive over that stain every day for years. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I mean, we can, we can know this about ourselves because nobody likes moving into a house where someone's been killed. That's something that real estate agents try and keep hush hush because it, it, the effects of crime are so long lasting. 
Yeah. And um, and when you attach them to a particular location, it it comes anchored in people's memory, anchored in people's mind. And so it's it's often so much more than just a family; it's an entire community that gets affected. And there is a group of musicians from Wisconsin, where your wife's from, who have decided they're going to try and tackle this. Um, so they're called the Black String Triage Ensemble, and they're a group of classical musicians, ranging from age 11 to 75, who have decided that they're going to play uh, classical songs, classical music at crime scenes to help neighbours heal after tragedy. So this is after the crime scene has been yep. all cleaned up. It's, so yeah. after uh, they go, so they're not just going to set up outside the tape and no, start playing. No, 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 no. Music. So they turn up at the crime scene after law enforcement teams have left, and uh, and then they play music like um, soothing, healing music. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like at sites of like gun violence and shootings and so forth, and they they're hoping to help ease the pain of you know the nearby uh, community members who may have been affected by the incident. And they said it's not necessary so much for the family of the victims because that healing trajectory is a much longer arc of time. But every, for everyone else in the neighborhood, people who live next door, down the street, maybe there's someone who owns a store. Everyone that's in that space is somehow devastated in the same way by this impact. So there has something. There has to be something done that sweeps away, um, sweeps away those ashes so they don't carry them home. That's a really interesting thought, and it'd be interesting to see how this actually works. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, does it bring a sense of closure? Does it help the community move on? Does it does it replace a terrible, horrific memory with a less you know? Does it de- de- does it well, do something to deaden the 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 horror of that memory? Music therapy by, by is obviously well giving it a yeah, and yeah. that's right. And classical music in particular is, uh, for whatever reason, one of the most healing forms of music that there is. Yeah. And science has shown that over and over and over again. Um, it helps you with your memory. It helps you with, um, you know, all kinds of physical functions mm-hmm. of the body. I'm not a huge fan of classical music, but that's the science behind it. And so there's probably I, – I, I like this idea. I, I'd be very interested yeah. to follow it and see how it actually goes. I think it also has something to do with – I don't know how to, what the science language of this is, but painting over memories, like – and I don't mean like trying to suppress things, but for example, I, I do this, I've done this in the past, like with um, one of my ex-boyfriends, which was a, a really you know sad ending to that relationship and it was quite devastating for me, but he and I, um, we used to live in Melbourne and so Melbourne CBD was just wrought with with memories for me, bad memories of me and this guy because you know, we used to go walk around Melbourne and, and have fun in Melbourne. And so after we broke up for years, I just refused to go to Melbourne because I knew that everywhere I went, everything would remind me of him and our time together. And so after a while, I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't keep avoiding a whole city just because I have sad memories. And so I got together a bunch of my girlfriends and we went down there with the intent of painting new memories over that whole town. And, uh, and so we just had fun together as a girl gang and, uh, and it worked. And so the memories of the places that I'd been with him started to fade because I had new memories, uh, new memories with my girlfriends. And, you know, and I've kept doing it. I did it with, um, you know, with Kel and Joe, some of our good friends. Him and I went for a little day tour around Melbourne and that helped me paint over like that section of the city and that kind of thing. So I called it painting over memories. I don't know what the psychobabble talk for it is. It'd be but very it interesting. Maybe we should ask David help next time he comes yeah. on about this. And it wasn't so much as suppressing. It was just trying to re- regain something that I'd lost. Like I'd lost it. I didn't want to be avoiding Melbourne for the rest of my life. Um, so yeah, so maybe the, what they're doing here with classical music is helping people have a new memory of something that suddenly became tragic for them.
Yeah. yeah, and I don't think it's I don't think it's something where you necessarily want to forget the person that actually died because we never want to forget yeah. people that have passed away. That's not what it's about. Um, but it definitely is going to. There, there needs to be in a very dark period. Ominous, there needs yeah. to be some light that is shed. Yep, yep. Someone needs to bring some light. Um, at, 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 yeah, at a dark period like that. Well, I commend these guys. Look them up. Yeah, absolutely. Black String Triage Ensemble. And, uh, I maybe- highly suspect that it won't work, but even if it doesn't work, oh, these guys are doing the right thing. Well, the thing is, you know, they care mm-hmm. and they're doing something. And that simple yeah. fact alone, if nothing else, yeah, absolutely. is going to have a tremendous effect but on the community. It's that it's that love connected with music that yes. will linger in people's memories instead yes. of the, the horror of whatever Somebody happened. cares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... Uh, you, uh, yeah. More power to them. Let's let's see more of it. <laughs> okay, one other really cool story, Lyle. Uh, it turns out have have you ever heard of the headometer? Uh the the headometer. Head uh, sorry, head dominant meat head head on no meter. I think, I think anyway. I think there's some people. It's an um, online that instrument. Might, might need a headometer. No, no, no. It's the an size online instrument invented by a team thing. of scientists, um, which basically gathers and analyzes billions of tweets since Twitter began, um, and it basically it's a it's a instrument that can. They're calling it like a, a psychological balance, and it's kind of like a measuring tool for for uh, emotional temperature, as it were. It's called a Twitter. And minute. they've discovered, right, through measuring tweets, that people are as happy in a leafy public park as they are on Christmas Day. Yes. If you just get to some trees, yes. you'll have a Christmas-like yes. experience. Like people are just absolutely. apparently delighted. Uh, absolutely. They um and like there's apparently they use happier words and express le- less negativity on Twitter than they did before their visit. They have an elevated mood which lasts like a glow for up to four hours afterwards. And yeah, they said it's like the equivalent to the mood spike on Christmas, which has shown to be by far the happiest day each year on Twitter. This is crazy! Like that is awesome. Just so if you're a feeling park. a little, if you are feeling a little bit down today. All you need to do is get outside and get to a park and surround yourself with leafy things. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And this, like, this study is human beings were invented to live amongst leaves. It's, yeah, that's, that's all right. there is to it. You know, leaves, and water, ocean, river, all of those kind of environments. The words they used were stuff like happy, ha ha ha, parks, flowers. Joy, all this kind of stuff with the, with the kind of words that were being rated highly. Just get to a park, guys. They're free. It's amazing. Get Go there for your lunch hour. Yeah, hang out with some leaves today. Take a friend with you. Just share that leafy joy around. God is good for creating leaves. Absolutely. You are my forever love. 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 From the bottom of my heart, I'll sing to you. From the depths of who I am, I love you. With Forever love You are my forever love 
Listening to Francesca Battistelli here with Forever Love. Let's have another clue for our quiz, Mon. See okay. if anybody can figure Who it out. Who am I? I am spoken of in only one book of the entire Bible. Mm. A little bit obscure this morning. If you can get this right, I'll see. This is definitely an obscure one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Definitely yeah. an obscure individual. And I think because of that, I'm going to send you a really big prize. I'm going to send you the Biggest copy we have of The Great Controversy by E.G. White. Really nice one. Yeah. It's a big, big, big solid prize. Let's give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM if you know the answer. I'm trying to think about it. I'm thinking of all kinds of um, cool clues that go with this person's well, you name. Well, you can't tell them because I, I have three more to go and then you can tell a clue. Yeah, they're all kind of silly though. Okay, well then don't tell them. <laughs> all right. So, um, of course, the big news around Australia this morning that is dominating the, uh, the, the news stories everywhere is uh, Cardinal Pell. Oh, yeah? Um, his conviction has been upheld. He is staying in jail. Amen. And uh, so this is an interesting thought, though. The question, my question is, Mob, do you, Mon, is, do you reckon that he has been the victim of mob justice? Let me put it to you this way. Go on. Since the Royal Commission mm-hmm. has exposed... Uh, Child sex abuse as being completely endemic, mm-hmm. particularly in the Roman Catholic Church. Have we developed a attitude in society where we are just out for blood and we don't care who it is and this is the highest, tallest poppy, so let's cut him down and let's make him pay regardless of whether he's guilty or not? I really don't think so. I really don't think so. 
You know, it's an interesting because I mean the the, the decision was a split decision, three to one. Uh, sorry, two to one, mm-hmm. uh, with one dissenting judge. And the first time around, I thought, well, you know what? It would be very, very difficult in the current climate in Australia with people's attitudes in Australia the way they are right now for a jury to be truly unbiased. Okay. I, I, I know for myself that I would, I, if I had been called to be a juror, there's no reason why I couldn't be a juror on that kind of a case, I don't think. Maybe there is, but whatever. Uh, and I would find it very hard to be unbiased. So I, I'd look at what the Royal Commission has revealed. I'd look at the rates, the horrific rates of child abuse, um, particularly amongst the Roman Catholic Church. I'd look at the Roman Catholic Church's insistence on celibacy and the confessional. Uh, I'd put it all together and say, you know what? The likelihood of this being a this person being guilty is so incredibly high. Let's just lock them up. See, I don't think so. I think the evidence. I would have was a enough. bias. I know I would have a bias because of what I've seen in the, you know, in the in the reports that have come out of the Royal Commission. I mean, fair enough, but I still think that the evidence against this guy was so just stacked up. Like there was. Just to me, it was like a no-brainer. And the, and, and the reality is at the time, there were a lot of people who were saying, you know, this really should have been a, um, a judge trial rather than a jury trial. And I understand why they have judge-only trials. A judge-only trial is, in a situa- is held in a situation where, uh, and of course they didn't have uh, provision for that in Victoria, but it's held in this kind of a situation where the public opinion is so bent a particular direction that the person could not receive a fair trial. There's no way you can get an unbiased jury. And I kind of wonder about that, you know. I mean, certainly Pell Pell has his supporters out there, but the general public, I mean, they're out for blood, and rightfully so. Yeah. Because of the horrific things that have taken place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I, I'm actually encouraged by the um, the, the, the judge only appeal having upheld the conviction. That speaks to me of a. Uh, it, it speaks to me that the jury the first time around got it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a dissenting judge, and I guess in all of these kinds of cases, you know, there is that whole well, you know, he said, he said, she said, um, the only other witness uh, to the events, you know, committed suicide. Um, and so, you know, it does make it, it does make gaining a conviction in those kind of situations challenging. But as you say, the evidence was very compelling. Yeah, I don't think this is, I don't think this is a bloodbath at all. I don't think people are frothing at the mouth just to get him in for just to get him in sake. I think the evidence is so damning that people are more concerned at corruption that might let this guy off the hook. Yeah. I think the message going out to the Roman Catholic Church, though, is very, very clear. Oh. Whether this guy is guilty or not, it's time to deal with celibacy. It's time to deal with uh, the confession. And it's time to get rid of those institutions of the dark ages that have been, you know, just doing der- terrible, mm-hmm. terrible things to Christianity, terrible things to the name of Christianity, and, you know, dragging Christianity's name through the mud that are not biblical requirements, and we need to move into the 21st century. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting to note that the Vatican has stated that Cardinal Pell will not be defrocked until really? all legal avenues have been exhausted. And then they're going to do fuck him. Because he now has the opportunity, of course, to appeal to the High Court of Australia. So it's gone through the Victorian system. Now he can go. His, his last um, appeal 
possibilities the High Court of Australia and until that appeal is heard and he's found guilty, they refuse to defrock him. I tend to think that that's a wrong move by the Catholic yeah, Church. It sends, sends the wrong message. Um, I think that, you know, at the very least when he was found guilty by a jury, he should have been defrocked. And if his appeals then succeed, then they can consider whether they're yeah. going to reinstate him as a priest. Yeah. I think that's the only right and proper way yeah, of Yeah, because once acting. again, instead of instead of siding with the victim, they're quite clearly siding with the, with the perpetrator. Perpetrator, yeah. that's right. Um. Yeah, and and of course, all of this comes days just just days after Archbishop of Melbourne uh, Peter Commensoli made this statement that he would rather go to jail than report child abuse revealed to him in the confessional. Oh, that's disgusting! It's really horrific, and 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 it's like these guys Great, need so to he's get admitted the- it. Just put him in jail then. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Just put I him agree. In jail. If absolutely. you can't protect our kids from child abuse, then just you go have to jail. no right, absolutely no right, to be in any kind of work yeah. that is child related. If you have that kind of an attitude or human related, that too. You want to work in a community, um, you know? Because okay, we say we say throw him in jail, but the reality is that he hasn't committed an offence that we know of. But to have an attitude like that, you cannot work with children. You, you, that's yeah. just. You know, and ministry is an area in which you work with children all the time. Do they? These guys have to have working with children checks. One would assume so. I think that that's pretty standard in in, in all uh, yeah, religions these days. Uh, I know it's certainly standard in in our religion is that the majority of our church members have to have a working with child check. Um. And, of course, you know, if you go back to 2014 when the Royal Commission uh, started this thing, they asked the Vatican to hand over all of their child abuse files, um, to which the Vatican replied that it was neither possible nor appropriate. And I'm asking, why was it not possible and why was it not appropriate? Yeah. There's a thing called email. Just uh, hit the send button and Uh they'll all come through. It might take a week for all of those files to come through because there's so many of them, but it's not that hard in today's world. And Cardinal Pell at that time, of course, the highest, uh, third highest ranking uh, Roman Catholic in the world, said that the request was unreasonable. But when I look around the world, I see uh, legal entities and law enforcement entities um, across different countries cooperating all the time to bring criminals to justice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our 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 uh, our you know. Um, our police force here in Australia is often cooperating with police forces in, in Asia and places like that in relationship to drug trafficking, in relationship to human trafficking, um, in relationship to international crime, um, crime that is taking place in Australia that relates to people who are living overseas and vice versa. Mm-hmm. This is standard legal practice. Why was this not possible or appropriate and why was it unreasonable? Yeah, This is the part that makes people sick because they're like, there's corruption right That's there. right. And, and and all it does is it just makes, and this is what makes my blood boil, it makes Christianity look so guilty mm-hmm. and so bad. Yep. It's like we need to be transparent. Mm-hmm. We need to be more transparent than um, anybody else out there You know, at times like this, and particularly when it comes to our children. Um, the Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference has said uh, nothing um, throughout this entire process until this final statement that Cardinal uh, Pell's legal team has said that it will examine the judgment in order to, to determine a special leave application to the High Court. Um, now, of course, a couple of points that uh, need to be remembered at this particular time. This is going to this is in the media front and centre. It's going to stay there for some time. And if this is something that is creating you um, 
anxiety or feelings of panic and so forth, then limit the amount of media that listen to. Lean on the support systems that are available to you. Um, get some professional help if you're needing it. Uh, don't feed the trolls and the deniers. And for the rest of us, we need to remember at this time in particular to be there for our loved ones, people that are around us at this time. This is uh, Sandra Enderman with So Many Books. back everybody that was sandra enderman with so many books and mon is about to hit us with a clue from a book of the bible mm, this person yes, is I only am. found in one how book did you know of that? the bible how did you know that you just said so yeah but i didn't so i was going to continue talking about which book of the bible oh. did you are you reading these clues before i get in the studio no, I, 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 I i was just running off the last clue oh by the way did you know that somewhere in the town where i live there's a southwell avenue i think i might have done it kind of rings a bell. It's a good thing I'm a Christian, otherwise you'd have a nifty little street sign in your house. <laughs> 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 anyway, anyway, anyway. That's all right. When I went to England the very first time, I stayed in Southwell Hall. Oh. Yep. Turned up at the uh, university where the program was taking place and stayed in Southwell Hall. Did you get free accommodation because you're like, I own this place? <laughs> well, I did say, hey, you know, this is this kind of belongs to me. <laughs> Can I get a discount? Yeah. It's funny, my best friend Vani lives on Mons Street. 
Like <laughs> she does too. Yeah, eleven monster. I keep telling her she has to pay me rent because she's living on my street. She hasn't paid me yet. It's very upsetting. Anyway, who am I? What Bible character is this? Luke chapter one tells how the lot fell on me to offer incense in the temple of the Lord. Ooh, mm. there you go. I only spoken of one book in the whole Bible. I guess it must be Luke. Give what? a score. One eight hundred faith FM. What did you just say? Don't worry. But this doesn't make any sense at all. Anyway, um, joining us in the studio this morning, um, it's been a while, but Sven, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lance. Good to be back. And uh, I understand today we are talking about Jesus. Who is or who was Jesus? It's a, it's a fascinating question, a big question. And, um, you know, it's, it's a question that so many of us can ask. Like, who, who was this guy? Who was this guy? And, and um, you know, there's a guy called Scott Peck who wrote a book, and he, he made this comment. It's no exaggeration to say that uh, no army that ever marched, no navy that ever sailed, no government that ever sat, and no king that ever reigned has left as much of a lasting impression on the course of history as this one solitary life, and that he was talking about Jesus. Wow. And that one solitary life, when you think about it, is somebody who never traveled more than, you know, 200 kilometers from where he was born uh, never went to you know a university or college um, and only preached for three and a half years exactly exactly Did, he was never a political leader he was never a king he was never a general he was never um, a wealthy person he, he was, never fought a battle he never won a battle that's he never, right. He never wrote a book. None of those things. He was mm. and ju- in just three and a half years. He completely changed the course of the entire planet's history. And talking about battles and empires, this is what um, Napoleon is um, said to have um, said. I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men and women would die for him. That's amazing, wow. you know, because Napoleon, you know, you can kind of see it. Napoleon's coming through there when he compares himself to Alexander Caesar and Charlemagne. <laughs> yeah. That's very Napoleonic kind of a statement to make. But then he actually recognises that Jesus was the greatest of them all. Yes. It actually runs into what we were talking about yesterday when we were talking about people like Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King who used non-violence to create change and people love them. And then you have the people who try and use violence to create change and people hate them. Yeah, that's right. And you can look at, you can look at Caesar, you can look at uh, Alexander and some of these other you know, big empires. I mean, the biggest empire the world ever saw was um, Genghis Khan with the Mongolian Empire. And they get a very mixed, all of them get a mixed reception. You know, by historians. Yeah. You know, Caesar that Julius Caesar, who destroyed the uh, the republic and created an empire. A lot of people say that the republic should have remained and the power should have stayed with the people. Um, Genghis Khan is both a hero, but you know, a lot of the time we sort of think, yeah, but really, I mean, you Actually read the a history, rapist, yeah, amongst many no many other things, he was a horror. He should not be held up to the light at all. But don't, I'm even, just, don't even get me started on Alexander. Okay, sorry. But I'm just going to throw a spanner into your works, guys. Go on then, Sven. I love it. <laughs> but, you know, the fact is that, okay, you've got Napoleon, you've got Scott Peck, yeah. but then there's other people who believe that Jesus never even existed at all. 
That's it's called. That is bizarre. It's called the Christ myth, and it's it's uh, people like Richard Carrier and um, even Richard Dawkins has said in his book that he thinks that there's not enough evidence to conclude that Jesus even existed. <laughs> yeah, but there's also this people is, who don't believe very that Shakespeare existed. And I've met people who don't even think Australia exists. Yeah, and there's people that don't believe we went to the moon. But, you know, Bart Ehrman, who is, who is a, a scholar, he said this is all completely completely rubbish. So I guess I want to uh, explore here this morning, well, who was this person? I mean, is there any evidence that he actually existed? Well, there's this, there's this thing that comes to mind immediately when you talk about the most uh, influential person on the planet called cause and effect. Yeah, you know if the, if, if the effect is that this is, was the most influential person that has ever existed on the planet ever, then that is um, there's got to be a cause there somewhere. You know the th- funny thing is this is that nobody denies that Muhammad ever existed or Gautama Buddha um, ever existed, and and they're within uh, history. Whereas some, for some reason... Um, Buddha predates Jesus by what, like five, six hundred years? That's exactly right, yes. And, and so there's something about Jesus which is really... It kind of really grips our imagination and our interest. And it's, um, it's been said that over the last 200 years, more books have been written about Jesus than over the previous, you know, the, the whole 2,000 years. And that number is actually growing every year. There's more and more books written about Jesus. There's more and more Bibles being sold about Jesus. And so the question for us this morning is, did he really exist? Is there any evidence that Jesus existed? So you want to go on yep. this exploration yes. with me? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do, it. do it. Let's do it. Okay. So, so here we've got uh, this guy called Tacitus. He was a Roman historian. And, and um, I just wanted to, to share with you a, a something that he wrote in his one of his history books. He said, Christ, from whom the name had its origin, talking about Christians, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius. Now, if he's talking about extreme penalty, what would he be talking about? Crucifixion. Exactly. Exactly. So here we've got a guy who's calling by his real name or, or his, his title, I should say, Christ. And then he talks about his death, which is really interesting. We'll come back to that later as well. During the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilatus. Have you ever heard of him? I've read about him yep. in the Bible. Exactly. So now we're starting to get some details. And I've read his name carved on a piece of stone down at where was where were we? Is that a museum? Caesarea or somewhere other? Well, yeah, they've got the replica one there. You know, so so we're starting to get some details here in a Roman historian book. So this guy is he's not a Christian. He he's he's not favorable towards them. So he's just recording it as he sees it, as as historic as it can be. And when you find it that it's the enemy of Christianity, it gives it an extra level of credibility. Absolutely, absolutely. So he says that you know this this um, faith not only started in Judea, uh, but even in Rome, um, and and continued to to grow, uh, grow and and then these Christians were actually uh, held responsible um, for the the burning the the fire which destroyed. Rome, and that's historical as well. So, so Nero, he he wanted to rebuild some of his his uh, Roman Empire, his Roman you know Roman city, and so he set on a fire. But people got a bit suspicious, and then they attributed it to him. So here we've got this amazing piece of history, which really really points to all of the details about um, Christians, but also ties them back to Jesus as well. Really really amazing. What's your thoughts? 
Yeah, I think that, um, you know, if there was just one piece of, one quote from ancient history, then it would, I'd be like, eh, maybe somebody sort of tampered with this somewhere along the lines, but, you know. Okay, let me give you another one. All right. Let me give you another okay. one. Okay, Pliny the Younger. So he was a, he was a governor at that time, and uh, he was, uh, being younger, he was a bit more inexperienced, and he didn't know what quite to do in some situations. And in particular, he didn't know uh, what to do with these Christians. So he wrote to Pliny the Older, uh, his kind of mentor, and he said, look, I have no idea what to do with these Christians. And so I'm, I'm just explaining and I'm asking for your advice. So what what he said is, you know, what I do is that I bring them in, and um, if if he confesses to being a Christian, immediately I I interrogate them and I order them executed. So literally back at that time, if you were a Christian, you could be executed. Okay, so if Jesus did not exist, why would you die for a myth? You know, this is a question that goes through my mind. If I was, if if there was, you know, if this was something that sort of happened, say, 30 years ago, and I knew that it wasn't real, but it was an opportunity to, you know, to, to, to create a new religion where I was going to gain something from it, then I could understand why I would promote a particular religion. Like, yes, I'm going to get wealthy from this, so I'm going to promote this religion. But then if somebody stuck a, a gun to my head, would I die for something that I knew to be false? Well, yes, yeah. I'd, die, I'd die if I could get money for it. I'd die if I could get power. Uh, but, yeah, if I died, then it's all gone. That's right. Exactly. So, so why would they die for this faith? Why wouldn't they run away and escape? And there's a very interesting situation in Rome. There's a doctor called uh, Gaius. And uh, when the plague came through Rome, uh, those doctors fled Rome mm-hmm. because they were going to die. That's right. Whereas guess what happened to the Christians? Guess what the Christians did? They stayed in Rome and they actually helped the, the people who were sick with the plague to get better. Why would they do that? Why would they help people in the face that they could get the plague and literally die? It's, there's, yeah, there's got to be a reason for it. There's got to be a reason for it. And so what, what he uh, says here, Pliny the Younger, he says, you know, these guys, it uh, talks about they get together on a, um, on a morning together uh, before dawn. Uh, they sing hymns. Uh, to, to Jesus as if he's God, as to God. They, they commit themselves not to commit crimes, uh, commit fraud, theft, adultery, um, or to say false things. And uh, once they've done this, they, they go home and they live life according to those rules. No, no money, no power. They're just committing themselves to live a, a life which follows in the example of Jesus. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? It is. It is. What about the Jews themselves? Did the Jews record any history in relationship to Jesus and who he is? They did. They did. And this is, this is really cool. So, so there's another guy called Josephus. So, uh, ever heard of Josephus? Yeah, he's that Jewish historian, right? He's exactly right. So, what happened with Josephus is that when uh, Jerusalem was being siege under siege by by the Romans, uh, he decided that he was going to save his life, and so he defected to the Romans. The Jews hated him for it. Uh, because he was seen as a traitor. But then he went over to the other side. And what he did for the Romans is he wrote history books of the Jewish faith. Uh, really, really amazing. And guess what? We find two amazing quotes about Jesus 
in the writings of, of um, Josephus. Let me, let me read this to you. About this time there lived Jesus a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man, for he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Christ. And when upon the accusation of the principal men among us, Pilate had condemned him to a cross, those who had first come to love him did not cease. He appeared to in them to them, sorry, spending a third day restored to life for the prophets of God had foretold these things and a thousand other marvels about him, and the tribe of Christians so called after him has still to this day not disappeared. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, not disappeared. It was um actually uh growing and exploding and you know, starting small, but it was about to take over the whole world. Absolutely, absolutely. It it spread around the Mediterranean world. So rapidly that within 300 years, the, the Roman government was scratching its head thinking like, what do we do with these guys? I think we better embrace it because they're, they're just – the whole they were really left with, Politically, they were left without a choice. That's right. You know, because it had become such a pervasive religion, it's like, what are you going to do? You're never going to stamp it out. Yeah. So here we have three pieces of evidence outside the Bible from from a Roman historian, from a Roman governor, and a Jewish historian, which all point back to Jesus. And for me, I'm going to I'm saying this is all pointing to somebody really real and really historic, and all of the details start to really um, coincide, uh, match what the Bible says. I I'm blown away by this evidence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and and you know, getting back to that, the, the the concept of how quickly Christianity spread and how powerful it was. You know, this was an international religion. It was one that crossed, you know, all 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 religious barriers, all language barriers, all national barriers. Something the Roman world had not really seen before, because in the past, you know, if you were Greek, you had Greek gods. If you were Egyptian, you had Egyptian gods. If you were, you know, Frankish, you had Frankish gods, etc. Um, but this religion just spread across everything, everywhere. And the other thing is, it didn't spread by the sword or by money. Neither. Yeah. It did. It spread by teaching and by teaching and preaching, really. Yeah. And, all, and, and acts. Yes. Deeds. Yes. Things of pe- people's lives being changed. Yes. People's lives, <clears throat> lives being changed. You know, they would, in, in, um, in the Roman world, they would actually throw... Um, the babies, girls out to die. Christians would take them in and care for them and bring them. Are you serious? Yes. I didn't know that. Mm. Oh. Yeah, and we could probably give a whole bunch of other similar examples to that, where Christianity through their through what they did and how they lived actually changed uh, the world and changed the impression of the world in relationship to uh, who Jesus was. But we have a very appropriate song coming up with uh, Johnny Cash. Here was a man. You're listening to Faith FM. Here was a man, a man who was born in a small village, the son of a peasant woman. He grew up in another small village. Until he reached the age of 30, he worked as a carpenter. Then for three years, he was a traveling minister. But he never traveled more than 200 miles from where he was born, and where he did go, he usually walked. He never held political office, he never wrote a book, never bought a home, never had a family. He never went to college, and he never set foot inside a big city. Yes, here was a man, though he never did one of the things usually associated with greatness. 
He had no credentials but himself. He had nothing to do with this world except through the divine purpose that brought him to this world. While he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. Most of his friends ran away. One of them denied him. One of them betrayed him and turned him over to his enemies. Then he went through the mockery of a trial and was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And even while he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property that he had in this world, and that was his robe, his purple robe. When he was dead, he was taken down from the cross and laid in a borrowed grave provided by compassionate friends. More than 19 centuries have come and gone, and today he's a centerpiece of the human race, our leader in the column to human destiny. I think I'm well within the mark when I say that all of the armies that ever marched, all of the navies that ever sailed the seas, all of the legislative bodies that ever sat, and all of the kings that ever reigned, all of them put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth so powerfully as that one solitary life. Here was a man. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Him? Are you believing? Are you following Him? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Him? Are you receiving His Spirit within, within your heart, within your place in this world There's a God who knows your heart And He's loved you from the start And you'll never be alone Because He'll never depart Can you
know Jesus? Do you know Him? Are you believing? Are you following Him? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Do you know?